Good day and welcome to, to choosing the right state for your trust. Three ways you can help your clients save on taxes and also ask protection, a variety of other things. Uh, the three tools that we're going to talk about today are decanting, trust in no state as beneficiary for an IRA, and what we'll talk about is INGS, which are incomplete non-grantor trusts. In this case, NINGS, because it's through Nevada. Um, we have with us today Rebecca Haynes. Rebecca is an attorney with um, Jeffrey Burr office in Las Vegas, Nevada. Rebecca is also an Alaska native um, and has her MBA from San Diego, San Diego University um, and has a specialty in working with high net worth families as well as business owners and not just estate planning and tax, but asset protection. Very diverse in her field, well-respected and an educator for attorneys, accountants and financial advisors throughout the country. We also have with us Deb Urban. Deb is the Vice President of Strategic Partnerships at Peak Trust. She's form, um, Peak Trust is formerly the Alaska Trust Company. She has 20 years of experience in trust and the qualified plan area. Um, and she helps clients work with unique assets. So in getting started, we're gonna end up talking about decanting first. Decanting, if you can picture it, it comes from the idea of decanting a great wine bottle is what you can think about. A great older wine has sediment in it. And when you would decant the bottle, not only would you aerate it, but you would take the best parts of that wine and pour it into the decanter. And the sediment that you would want, you would leave in the old one. So in this case, the ability to take a trust that might, not, that might have terms in it that you might not enjoy as much, that you need to be a little bit different. And the world has told you it's irrevocable, you can't change it. Rebecca's going to giggle and say, that's not true. <laughs> we'll also talk about um, having a, as a beneficiary of your retirement account, a trust in a non-tax state. And we'll see that on $200,000 a year of a required minimum distribution, you could save $20,000 and that could accumulate to over a quarter million dollars. So why would you not do that? In addition, at the end, we're going to talk about incomplete non-grandor trusts. I live in California. I have three buckets of assets. I have the bucket of assets that I'm going to use during my life. I have a bucket of assets that I might need as a buffer. And I've got a bucket of assets at this point that I'm a mere steward for my kids. Why would I subject that third bucket to California income taxes? Rebecca will talk to us about the fact if it's not sourced here in California, in other words, not rent from a building, et cetera, but instead income from passive income, that I might have the opportunity to place that such that I'm not paying California tax. So with that, we'll go back to our first subject. Rebecca, can you share with us about decanting? Absolutely, and thank you for the introduction. It's a pleasure to be here with you, Joe and Deb. Um, as Joe mentioned, so I'm an attorney with the Law Offices of Jeffrey Burr in Nevada, and we um, assist clients both in Nevada and all over the country with you know, doing over some trust that they've set up before that they've discovered, you know, don't necessarily work the way that they want them to family circumstances has have changed. And so like Joe beautifully illustrated with an old bottle of wine being decanted into a new one, we can do the same thing with trusts. And just as an illustration, 
So we had clients who created um, two irrevocable trusts for each other in California. Um, one was for the benefit of, well, each was benefit or for the benefit of um, the other spouse and their children. Uh, the trusts were drafted by attorneys who were not estate planners and the trusts were pot trusts for the benefit of the children with very broad distribution authority. Um, when we went over these trusts with the clients, we discovered that this actually wasn't what they had intended um, as their primary intent for these trusts was to provide a safety net for their children, but not a hammock. And so um, these trusts were also intended to be completed gifts for estate tax purposes, and some of the trust provisions contradicted that. So, um, and again, just having this conversation with the clients about what their goals and priorities are, you know, we wanted to make sure that they had trusts that actually reflected what the clients had meant to create, um, you know, providing a safety net for their children and not a hammock, making sure that the trusts were completed gifts and so they were able to utilize their uh, coupon that they had for estate tax purposes, and then also move the jurisdiction of the trust to a more trust-friendly state. So Nevada's decanting statute is very flexible. And so what we were able to do is create two new trusts and pour the assets that were in the old ones to the new ones. Um, and so we were pretty much able to start from scratch, even though these trusts were irrevocable. Um, and we were able to fix all of those issues. So make sure that it was a completed gift, um, you know, modify the dispositive provisions so that there were more guardrails for the children, you know, after mom and dad passed away. And now the trusts are also governed by Nevada law so that if things change in the future again, you know, the clients have more flexibility going forward. So it's an amazing tool um, that, you know, Nevada has. And so, uh, you know, we urge clients to, like, again, Joe said, um, look at old, you know, irrevocable trusts that may not be working the way that you want them to. And, you know, we can take a look to see how we can, you know, integrate them into um, a more accurate um, estate plan for everyone. So from what I understand what you're talking about, Rebecca, if I'm a, an attorney, accountant, a, a, some advisor to a, a family, and they've got these irrevocable trusts, not their revocable trusts, but an irrevocable trust, and they've looked through and said, wait a minute, that's not what I meant. They've gone back to an attorney or another advisor and they say, well, it's carved in stone. It's the way it is. And in whatever state they are in the United States, this is the way it is. Our state says you have to keep it this way. Or maybe you could go to court or get everybody to agree. And the client says, well, that's not what I want to do. I don't want to tell my kids I changed my mind or that I didn't mean it. They could actually just give you a call. You're able to look through it and say, um, if I hear you correctly, you're able to say that's true there, but Nevada has a statute that lets you move that trust into Nevada, correct? Yes. And so we'd want to take a look at the governing law of that trust if it's, you know, outside of Nevada. So, you know, there may be some additional steps that we'd have to take, um, but there is usually always a way to get things moved over. So then it can move into Nevada. And then with this decanting statute that Nevada has and the ability to do, they could literally pour these assets into another trust that the bad stuff they didn't want stays in the old one that dissolves afterwards. It gets thrown away like my old wine bottle. And then I get this beautifully decanted trust that is great for my kids the way I want it now. Fair enough? Yes, exactly. Perfect. Well, thank you, Rebecca. Um, next up, we're going to talk with Deb. Deb is going to talk to us about the idea that 
if I have a retirement account, one of the things that our clients notice is I really don't like that in this retirement account, not only when I take it out is it going to get taxed, but now they've changed the rules on when it comes out, how many years you have to pay it out, the spouse is different than my kids, and the taxation rates. And the, the biggest problem in my retirement account, Deb, for all of my clients, they look and they say, Joe, I've got a retirement account. Let's say it was a million dollars. And I have to tell them, well, it's not really your million. Um, part of that money really belongs to the IRS. And part of that money really belongs to the state of California. So it's really about your half million. And they say, well, that can't be true, Joe. And I say, well, $130,000 belongs to the state of California. And that number changes depending on what state you're in. And whether you take it out now, you take it out later, it comes out when you die, whatever it is. But if you want to, if you want to, after you die, instead of giving the state that you're in plus the federal government all that money, you still have to give the federal government that money, but would you like your kids to get the money that went to go to the state? And they say, well, that's not possible. I've talked to my CPA, I've talked to my advisor, that's not possible. I say, that's because they don't know debt. So can you help us understand this? Absolutely. And thank you for that, Joe. And it's a pleasure to chat with you this morning and be here, or not today with Rebecca, but um, be able to record with you. I appreciate that. So let's talk about the trust and what that means for your clients, Joe, because really at the end of the day, it sounds like your clients are wanting to not only protect their um, children from the grave, from tax purposes, but also potentially creditors. So why not take their hard-earned retirement money, pay it into a trust, correct? But yes. when they do that, they don't re realize that putting it into a trust, that trust has to pay state tax, right? So I why, agree. So why not look at a state that doesn't have an income, a state income tax so the trust doesn't have to pay it? So I'm, if I can, I'm going to tell you a little bit about a situation that uh, Peak was recently... Um, involved in on this exact same topic. So Pete was introduced to a client. Um, he had a, he was on a second marriage. They're both residents of Minnesota in their mid 70s. Um, you know, he was a retired Target exec, as you know, Target's big up in Minneapolis, and his wife was also a retired professional. So they had a fair amount of money that they'd put away into their 401ks and had now rolled them to their IRAs. Their issue was they each had children from their first marriage. And him, in him, for him particularly, he had his daughter that he wanted to, from his first marriage, he wanted to provide for, which is very common. So not only was he looking to give to his daughter from his first marriage, but yet he also wanted to be able to give his second wife an opportunity to use some of his income if he were to die first. But his really focus was his daughter. So he wanted to provide creditor protection for her he wanted to minimize the taxable consequence for her. Um, but his concern was, how do I do that? And I, so I can't distribute to her outright. I'm going to put it in a trust. So because he was in Minnesota, he started looking at a Minnesota, setting up a Minnesota tax. Well, as you know, in the state of Minnesota, there is a, a, there is a state tax so he got to us through his financial advisor who understood that, who understood what it meant to work with a, a trust company. 
that could that could be trustee for these types of trusts. So he called us up and we started looking at a Nevada trust for this particular client. And as you said earlier in your introduction, that if you take a look at this trust, let's assume it has $200,000 in distributions on an annual basis, that obviously you're going to have federal taxes going to come out of that. And then if you were to leave it as a Minnesota tax, they're going to pay an extra close to a $20,000 tax per year. But if they paid it into a um, Nevada trust, there would be no tax. So as you said, Joe, that's about $20,000 savings. You invest that for 10 years at 6%, you're talking well over a quarter million. That's more money in the pocket and it stays in the IRA. So that was how we were able to fully protect the client, give him everything he wanted, but yet just by simply changing jurisdiction of the trust, able to save him a significant amount of tax. Beautiful. And what that ends up doing, kind of like what, um, what Rebecca was talking about, it not only took care of this tax issue, just like Rebecca took care of this de decanting terms issue, but it also offered a level of creditor protection that the family was able to have with that child or with that young adult or soon to be an adult, both from predator protection, credit protection, a divorcing spouse, all those other things. So you were able to take care of not only tax issues, but family needs, just like Rebecca took care of taxes and family needs. Yes, and that was, and so that really did fit the bill because he, you know, he's astute enough. He understood that if he, like most people, I mean, the common, what's the, what's the common way to fill out a beneficiary for any IRA? They give it to their spouse, right? But he understood that if he were to turn it over to her spouse, that it was out of his control. Not that he didn't trust her to, to provide for his daughter, but why put her in that position? Because she had her own children. So just to protect family dynamics, he, you know, he basically put in the controls from the grave. Plus it saved him tax on the back end. It was just a win-win for him. Perfect. Um, I'm going to kick back to Rebecca for a minute, if you don't mind, Rebecca, again. Um, inside of doing this, we talked about these trusts that were Ings. So I know, Rebecca, you're going to talk about Ing for a little bit and what that really means um, inside of the idea of the incomplete non-grant for a trust. That sounds like language created by lawyers out of a tax code. But there's got to be an easy way to think through that. Um, from what I've heard you talk about before, the idea of taking a passive investment, not my real estate in California if I'm there, or in, or in Minnesota like Deb was talking about, but taking a passive asset that's producing money and not making it subject to that state's tax that I'm in. So that sounds too good to be true, but I know you can do it with part. In my case, I talked about my three buckets, the bucket that I don't really use to live off of. Help us understand that a bit more. Yeah, so INGS or NEMS, Nevada Incomplete Non-Grantor Trust, are just another tool in the Nevada tool chest that we can use to help clients with um, income tax savings or state income tax savings. Um, I think, and as Deb talked about with the IRA trust or even about decanting, you know, really this just all revolves around 
having conversations with clients about their goals and priorities, because it's not just, you know, one of these vehicles that can be used for um, everything. I mean, they can use, you know, all three, they can decant, they can, um, you know, use an IRA trust, they can use a NING, just depending on what kinds of assets and everything that they have. But what is great about a NING is that it enables someone like a resident of California to escape California income tax on certain assets. And so we're able to do this by creating a separate taxpayer from the creator of the trust. Um, and as a Nevada resident, as a Nevada entity, as a Nevada taxpayer, it is only subject to Nevada tax, which is just federal since we don't have a state income tax. And like you said, you know, this is too good to be true. There are definitely some formalities and requirements that have to be adhered to to get this, you know, awesome tax treatment. Um, and so, uh, again, just for illustration purposes to kind of describe how this works um, is that, so let's say, you know, there's clients um, who have, you know, business investments in California, um, out of California, you know, they receive a lot of passive income, like from an investment account, you know, they want to reduce the um, income tax liability, like on the third bucket that you'd mentioned, you know, for assets that they're preserving for their children, or even, um, you know, during their lifetime that they're just setting aside for the benefit of, um, you know, their loved ones. Um, they also want to take advantage of Nevada's asset protection laws. And so um, we're able to create this NING. Um, and again, we have to be sure to avoid California tax California taxes trust on based on three things. So first, whether there's California source income. And so again, like Joe, you said, um, we wouldn't wanna put like a California rental property in here because California would be able to tax that no matter what. Uh, the trustee cannot be in California. And then also the beneficiaries of this trust um, cannot have a vested interest and be residents of California. And so we're able to, um, you know, create these trusts around those rules by having a Nevada trustee. So like peak trust company in Nevada, who would be a custodian of the assets. Um, you know, we transfer assets like rentals from out of state or out of California um, in an investment account. And then we just make sure that uh, the beneficiaries, the distributions are allowed to them at the discretion of the trustee and a distribution committee. So again, we're able to avoid California tax that way. Um, and then, so any assets that are transferred into this trust avoid California income tax, because again, um, it's a Nevada entity and everything that flows there just is subject to federal rates. These trusts also um, provide asset protection and two, uh, the grantors, the creators of the trust can be beneficiaries. And so, like you said, that second bucket that you may need for a rainy day, if they did, or if the creators ever needed access to those funds, they could get access to them again if they needed to. And then also legacy trust provisions can be built in so that this trust can last for up to 365 years for the benefit of their uh, families. So again, a really awesome tool. There's a few more details about those and I won't get into those because I have a tendency to geek out on stuff like that. So, um, but again, just something to be aware of so that when you're having conversations with clients, um, you know, just something to be able to offer them, you know, as an tool in Nevada. 
Well, you know, Rebecca, you talk about geeking out about it. Yes. One of the, one of the <laughs> beauties about working with you is you're so proficient and secure in what you do that you, you as a professional are one of the few ones that realize that you need to be insecure about the facts and insecure about exactly what it is to do all the research to get it right. It's that last 10% you get that we believe in so much. So that's, that's just a powerful talent that you have and your law firm has. That you were saying then is that, as I was talking about, if you have a passive income asset, you're able to look and borrow the, the laws of the states of Nevada by forming a, a trust in Nevada to have the trustee, that person in charge of it, be a company or a trust company in Nevada, right? Yes. Okay. And if we do do that, then the last hurdle, one of the last hurdles we have to deal with is the beneficiary idea. Now you talked about, it can't be, if I'm the trust, if I'm the person setting up, it can't be me as the trustee. Um, and it can't be me as the beneficiary. We dealt with the trustee part, but me as the beneficiary, I want to use the money. So explain that part to me, man, on how I'm still able to utilize the money, but I'm not the beneficiary, but I am the beneficiary. Can you go over that one more time? Yes, of course. So you as the creator can also be a beneficiary of this trust. One of the fine lines that we have to um, make sure that we're not crossing is again, separating this entity enough from you as the creator um, to be a separate taxpayer. And one of those rules um, is that in order to be a beneficiary and to potentially you know, get access to these assets if needed, is that there is a distribution committee that is a part of this trust that you as a creator are a part of, but then the other beneficiaries of the trust, so anybody other than a spouse, so children, family, friends, um, they would be part of this distribution committee. They are considered adverse parties. And so if a distribution had, was to be made back to you, then they would have to vote to let that happen. You would be able to make distributions to other beneficiaries. But again, if anything came back to you in order to make sure that this trust was a separate or considered a separate taxpayer for income tax purposes, that distribution committee would have to be involved. So it's pretty simple in my case. I've got two kids, Sal and Maddie. I can make them beneficiaries with me. I'm a beneficiary of it, they are too. I can still get distributions because I'm a discretionary beneficiary, not the only required one. Correct. Do I get that right? Mm -hmm. So it's, it's a fairly, that third hurdle is fairly easy to get over. Mm -hmm. Sure. So in working with peak trust company, as you do often, they can be those, the one in control of that. Um, we can talk about who has the right to hire and fire them throughout time. So this sounds like a great tool. So today on the call, we went through um, all three ideas. We went through decanting, like Rebecca talked about that fine bottle of wine, and but making sure that the that the rules are are in the final trust of ones we want. And if somebody tells you the prior one is not changeable because it's irrevocable, Rebecca would say, "No, that's not true. You can bring it to Nevada, and we can make it better, <laughs> or we can make it the way you wanted to originally, or what you have to for these changed circumstances." Yep. Deb talked about that IRA that eventually somebody in your life is going to get. And if they are going to get it, do you want them to get less money? Hence, they're going to pay, of course, their federal tax, but they're going to pay a state tax, get the net, 
Or would you like to get them more money where they pay a federal tax, but that state tax also goes to the beneficiary instead of being taxed? And then of course, we talked about these NINGs, Nevada Incomplete Non-Grantor Trusts. The idea that can I set up something to, if I'm in a high income tax state jurisdiction, can I set up part of my assets to not pay that for myself? And also, as she mentioned, can I set it up to where my kids don't end up having to pay it if they inherit from me too? All of those things dealt with tax issues, but they also dealt with asset protection issues. They also dealt with family planning issues. It's true financial planning to think of all these things. Um, you can always reach Rebecca. Um, their law firm's um, website is Jeffrey Bird, J-E-F-F-R-E-Y, B-U-R-R, so Jeffrey Burr with two F's and two R's combined, dot com. So J-E-F-F-R-E-Y-B-U-R-R dot com. You can read Deb at Peak Trust, P-E-A-K-T-R-U-S-T dot com, peaktrust.com. And of course, you can reach myself, Joe at Joe at caretoknow.info, Joe at caretoknow.info, which is a platform site that shows our different firms. So, um, Deb and Rebecca, thank you so much for our time today. Thank you so much, Joe. It's always a pleasure being able to do any kind of um, business or anything with you. I concur. Thank you. I'll echo everything Rebecca said. Thank you, Joe, for your time. And uh, I certainly hope um, we can continue to work together. And thank you, for everybody that's listening. And if you have any questions, you have our contact information. And if you need somebody in California, you need somebody in Nevada? I think we got you covered. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.